Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 60 of the CZS Show. It's been a long time. Um, I feel like I haven't recorded in almost a month. I don't really know when the last episode was recorded, which was episode 59. Uh, I've been real busy, been going through a lot of stuff. And uh, just to rehash with you guys, um, I moved into a one-bedroom apartment. So um, that was very lit, new experience, wanted some peace and solidarity. No shade to my roommates or nothing like that, but I just need a new challenge in my life. So I uh, definitely appreciate that. It's, it's a little awkward waking up because you don't have that energy around you. Um, so I'm starting to learn new things about myself, um, and I'm starting to learn learn a lot of different, a lot of a lot of habits that I've had that I didn't really realize. Like, I didn't realize that I suck at <laughs> packing up dishes. I didn't realize that I overuse paper towels. Um, but just a learning experience. I still gotta get some stuff set up. Uh, like you can see right here, I need a TV mount over there. I need some bar stool. So oh, it's a slow sure. process. But once you'll it's set there, up, you'll get there. <laughs> once it's set up, everything's gonna be good. Um, and another thing that happened, um, RIP to my dog Ziggy, nine years old, passed away of heart failure. Um, I was just feeling real, real down, real low about that situation. But um, I'm good now, I'm in good spirits because. With him, it was always positive energy. You can't really be mad because it's only everlasting great moments. So um, it hurt me. So I had to definitely take a step away from everything and also on top of moving. But uh, very appreciative of the times that we had. Um, and one thing about dogs is like they only have like really one state of mind. They're always happy. So like whenever I was going coming home from work or just battling through, battling through something internally, uh, he was always smiling. Sometimes I used to be like, yo, like, why are you smiling? Why are you happy? But um, when you live to just love, it's, it's a pretty dope feeling. And a lot of times, too, we're, you know, we're like we're human beings, obviously, so we're on a different level mentally. So, you know, we can go through things mentally. You know, we got to pay bills. We may have problems within relationships with family, et cetera, et cetera. But when you take a step back, you really just got to appreciate your life that you have. You know what I'm saying? So he made me very appreciative of life. Uh, so RIP. And uh, just to rehash before we get into today's episode, on episode 59, I was with my co-host, Trey, and we talked about a couple things. A couple things we talked about was DeMarcus Cousins' injury, freak accident, which sucked, um, get, uh, have a speedy recovery, um, Dwight to the Lakers, uh, you know, Team USA scrimmages, <laughs> Team USA, um, Steph bringing golf to Howard, and much, much more content. So if you haven't checked that out, it's still worth uh, going to. Uh, it's a great episode. Um, but without further ado, um, ladies and gentlemen, make some noise for a returner, uh, my guest, my boy, Drew. What up, what up, what up, y'all? We back. I'm glad. Episode 60 of the Caesars show. Last time we had some technical difficulties, <laughs> man. We got, we had audio. The video was here. The video was back. I'm excited to be with my boy. Let's get it, man. Let's get it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You been good? You been good? Always, man. Just been working, grinding. Grinding, make some time. We here. Make some time. Make some time. This is, Excited. This is, this is this is a late recording. Y'all don't know it's it's ten o'clock p.m. It Eastern is. time. It's ten o'clock. I ten o'clock. Scary hours. I know we recording like around seven, eight o'clock, but today was good. Went to work. Uh, got off a little bit early. Took a slight nap because I needed it. Went to the gym. It, it was good. It was straight setting up the setting up the spot, setting up the set. So I like it. you. You you met you rocking with the set. Yeah, man. I like I like my boy my boy Kyrie up there. I like Steph. You got some more additions over there. I see you gonna add sometime yeah. soon. I like the new crib though, man. One one man crib. I like it. <laughs> I, I like it. I'm gonna shout him out all the hardwood. I like yeah. I like it. You're yeah. doing good, man. I like it. I like show, it. Show. Got the Space Jam cup, one of my favorite movies. Uh -huh. Then I also uh -huh. got a plant that I got from my boy, my old roommate Wade, my best friend. So 
Appreciate the love, my guy. But you're going to get some topics for today. Let's get it. All right, let's go. So the first thing I want to talk about is one of my favorite players of all time, at least of this era, uh, Derrick Rose. So uh, Derrick Rose, uh, if you guys didn't know, um, he was a free agent, and then uh, he got signed by the by the Detroit Pistons. Um, so up-and-coming team, Dwayne Casey's the coach. They got a superstar in Blake Griffin, another all-star um, with uh, Andre Drummond. So they're really trying to build something there. They ended up being the eighth seed uh, this past season. Obviously, Blake Griffin got hurt, so he's only been able to play, I think, about two games, and they got swept uh, by the Milwaukee Bucks. But he had an interview because he was promoting his book. Um, he had an interview on Stephen A. Smith's show. Stephen A. Smith won't there, um, but Michael Eves basically covered the interview, and it probably lasted about like seven minutes, or that's at least what YouTube, um, well, the ESPN channel YouTube allowed. Um, so he discussed. It's crazy because with Michael Eves, like he just went like when you when you st- when you first start to hear like the video. He basically just talks about all this shit he went through. And I know you can tell D. Rose is like, all right, come on, man. Like, come on. So he was basically talking about, like, his intense career. So his low points, battling injuries, uh, why he feels like a Hall of Famer, why he wants to stay in the NBA, um, hitting rock bottom advice for Dwight. So there's a lot of things. Um, One thing that was notable was, you know, he was asking him, um, do you feel like essentially you were robbed of a Hall of Fame career? And then um, in a quote from Derrick Rose, he said, I am a Hall of Famer not in everybody's eyes, but to the people that I grew up with, um, like I made it, I executed, I got to where I was at, I've been having uh, these same expectations that I have now, they were throwing on me since the sixth grade, Um, I achieved all that, I got through all that, imagine being 12 or 13, and everywhere you go, um, people are putting their burdens on you, like, yo, you're gonna be the man, Um, you're gonna be the one to make it. Um, So my question um, to you is, uh, do you feel like D. Rose is a Hall of Famer? I, I I can see where he's coming from, from the standpoint of when you're from a small city, when you're from a small city, uh, like for me, for example, Newport News, small city, um, not when you say like make it, people become successful, but as far as like making it, you know, we got the Michael Vicks of the world, the Masegos of the world, Allen Iverson of the world from the 75 area. It's really hard. So I feel like when you make it and all these expect, expectations are placed on you, I, I feel like you are a Hall of Fame within the community. Um, but when we're talking about Hall of Fame, that's a really tough and touchy um, situation because if you look at Hall of Fame credentials, it's about longevity, it's about you know the rings that you won, your impact that you had as well too. Um, with D. Rose, I love him. Um, and obviously he's only what, 30, 31 years old, so he still has a lot of basketball left, I would hope. Um, but he, you know, he's the youngest MVP, which was great. You know, he's always putting his team on his back. They got to the Eastern Conference Finals. If it wasn't for the super team with uh, the Miami Heat, he would have more than likely went to the Finals. If he never got hurt, he would more than likely got to the Finals. But after those three peak years, like he said, he started to get injured. And then after those injuries, he was more so rehabbing. He came back, kept getting hurt. Um, He did have that one year when Jimmy Butler was just emerging before he got that max contract. Um, They battled the Cavs to a six-game series, and that was the year the Cavs went to the finals when LeBron came back. But after that, you know, he was on the Cavs, I think. Then he got traded. Then he got waived. Then he got – he went to the Timberwolves. Now, um, you know, he's on the Pistons now. So it's hard for me to really say he's a Hall of Famer yet just because his career is – it's not over yet, and he's been robbed of so many years. Um, but as of right now, I don't know. Uh, do you do you think he's a Hall of Famer? Definitely, he's definitely Hall of Famer. Um, the man is the MVP. 
He's the MVP. Is there any MVP that's not a Hall of Famer that you can think of? I don't think I don't think so. Okay. So, because MVP had three great years, right? Three or four great years, MVP yeah. years, mm-hmm. Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah. Um, the youngest MVP to ever ever do it, right? Ever do it, yeah. Okay, okay. And then his past year, a few years ago, I think it was last year or this year, maybe when under Timberwolves, he had a fifty point game, right? Fifty piece, yeah. Come on now, I mean, he got hurt. <laughs> he got hurt. Yeah, he was balling before he got hurt. Uh-huh. You know, he he didn't get back to the status he was at at one point, but he you know he, he did a little something good. And then you also got something like Brandon Roy in a comparison to. Brandon Roy was done. He wasn't MVP level that you know D Rose was, but mm-hmm. D Rose in the in Hall of Fame. Point blank. He's in the Hall of Fame. I just feel like with him, like, yeah, he was an MVP, but it's like, all right, if he's MVP, he's definitely not gonna be first ballot. But at the same time, it's like Who would you put in there over him? if if the ballot comes out, you have to pick somebody, somebody's name over Derrick Rose. Well, we gotta see. He's who, also an Olymp- Olympic gold medalist, too. He is an Olympic gold medalist. USA, um, I'm pretty sure you got a USA ring too. USA, USA gold medal. Uh, 08, he didn't play. 2012. A few All-Stars. 2012, I don't think he played, but I remember he played the World Cup. Okay. That's and then, what, no, that's I think he won the World Cup and he won yeah, something USA else. So he, he, USA got some gold. Yeah. he got some gold. He got, some, that's USA he got some gold up there, too. I mean, yeah, uh, I guess when I think of Hall of Fame, I just think of like a level of consistency that you maintain for X amount of years. Because mm-hmm. the lifespan of the NBA is what, like two, three years? Yeah, I mean, but he, ha- he has a complete body of work. In his in his small, small in his small size. in his small sample size, he has a complete body of work. He mm-hmm. has MVP, All Stars, mm-hmm. Olympic gold medalist, yeah. USA gold medalist. Mm-hmm. You know he, he's in the Hall of Fame, and yeah. he you know he he still got hurt and came back and still had a productive year. So he, he's in there. I got him in there. Okay. Um, what are your expectations for him going into this year? You think he's gonna be a starter? You think he's gonna be a role player? Like what's realistic? And do you see the Pistons um, going to the playoffs? Man, I don't really have any expectations for him. I just want him to come out and just. Hoop, ball, and just, you know, just I'm just glad to see him on the court, honestly. I don't really have no expectations for him. If he does good, great. If he does, if he don't do that good, it's fine. It's D Rose. He's already done his thing. We know he's hurt. You know, he's got hurt before. It's t- it's tough for him coming back. In my eyes, you know, he's gold. He's good. Yeah, yeah. And speaking on that, um, it was it was crazy because there was a moment uh, when he was on the Knicks. I forgot he was on the Knicks for a little bit. He, he was. still, I think he averaged 16, 4 and 4. I Bad shot damn. almost like 48% from the field. That team was just trash. Jeff Hornacek was trash too. So I'm gonna change my mind a little bit. Just give give it a couple more years. Um, that like I said, he's one of my favorite players of all time. But I want to see more body work. Um, but yeah, uh, when he was on the Knicks, um, there was a time where he had to take a step back from basketball. Obviously, battling injuries, and then he took a step back from basketball as well too with the Cavs as well. Um, and it's just a crazy thing because you really never know what players are going through. We just expect them to you know, put their body out there on the line and, and basically it's only basketball. There's more than more to life than it's basketball. So another thing that uh, Michael Eves asked him was like, what makes you still want to keep playing basketball? And he said, obviously, like, you know, he's had a love for basketball from an early start. Um, and another thing as well, too, was like his kids, you know what I'm saying? And for example, you're saying like how his son, um, you know, is growing up with him. And basically, like, with his son, he wouldn't – like, right now with his son with his routine, he's there um, doing the pre-workouts, uh, pre-game workouts and whatnot. And he was like, he didn't want to take that away from him um, and rob him of all that too. So uh, one, one of the things that kept him doing it was the people that loved him and, and his family members too, which is pretty cool. Um, and then one last thing for the interview was um, he had advice for Dwight Howard. Um, and basically, <laughs> my views is like, you know – you and my, you and um, Dwight Howard are kind of in that same, um, you know, that same 
breadth of things. Um, so with Dwight, his body work is obviously a little bit better. Um, I think three-time. Three I got time him in the Hall of Fame, too. Definitely. Three-time uh, defensive player of the year, multiple-time NBA. I mean, uh, all-team NBA. Took his team to the finals, beat LeBron of course, to get of there as well, too. Just ran into Kobe Bryant. Just saw people used to run into um, the Warriors. People run into um, the Spurs. People run into Kobe and Shaq and stuff like that. Um, but he said, any device, any advice for Dwight, knowing that you're at the top of your game, knowing that you're one of the best, considered one of the top players in the NBA, um, and then but going through injuries, coaching changes, and all that good stuff, um, any advice going into being a role player? Um, and he said, honestly, be patient. You know, you got to take it day by day. Uh, be yourself. And then uh, just time. Time is time heals all. Time heals all wounds and whatnot. Um, so my question for you um, is do you think that Dwight Howard will accept his role? Shit, he better. I know that. Um, <laughs> I saw him, I saw the, I saw the little clips in Venice Beach. Mm. Uh, Dwight Howard, oh, he had, he had like, yeah, he had, he had like a little dunk fest. He was looking good. I liked it. Looked like he slimmed down a little slimmed bit. Down, still chiseled up. Yeah, yeah, yeah I like it. Mm -hmm. Um, if he just come out there with the Lakers, just be a rim protector, great rebounds, defend. Contest shots, mm -hmm. block shots, yeah. play his role, yeah. which he know, you know, he playing with LeBron and AD. He he know, he know by now at this point in his career, he gonna have a role. He better play that role. Mm -hmm. I think he can be good for them. I think so. Question is, you got him starting over Javale? Um, so my projected starting lineup because AD yeah. AD came out and said he want to play the four. Yeah. I think he should play the five, but for them, because I mean Kuzma gonna come off the bench. So AD so, playing the, the four. so this is my starting lineup. Mm -hmm. I got mm -hmm. <laughs> I got LeBron James at the point. Oh, I got, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got Danny I Green. You. I got Danny Green at the two. I don't like it, but I hear you. Um, I got Kuzma at the three, and then I got AD and Dwight together. I don't like it. You don't like but it? Why, I, why don't I, you like I, it? I, I, I like your opinion, but I don't like it. I don't like. I don't like LeBron playing point at age what thirty four now. Mm -hmm. I don't like LeBron playing point for eighty one games. Mm -hmm. That's wear and tear. He got a guard who Harden, Steph. Every night, well, I don't like it. It's like Ben Simmons. You, ben you, Simmons you plays. You throw Simmons. Danny Green on him. Ben I guess. Simmons plays the point. But yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't guard. guard. Point yeah, guards. yeah. So I mean, we'll see. It, it we'll, we'll definitely see, and and that's where I want to branch off into my next topic as well too. Um, so basically, there's some there's some more news that came out, and basically LeBron James apparently said that he wants Anthony Davis to be the focal point mm -hmm. um, of the offense. Mm -hmm. um, my question for you is: Well, before we begin into that. He had an interview with Chris Haynes. Shout out to Chris Haynes. He showed love on my page before. He said, when well, you going to have me on the episode? I'm ready. You know, so you can do a live call in. It's tough. I'll be lit. But Chris Haynes um, is uh, part of Yahoo Sports. Had an interview with him. And like I said, um, LeBron James said he wanted uh, AD to be the Lakers' uh, offensive focal point. Um, and then Anthony Davis had more to say. Um, he said, I want to be the defensive player of the year as well. Um, I think if I'm able to do that, I can help this team win. The offensive end will come around, but defensively, I want to hold myself, my teammates, including LeBron, accountable in order for us to take on that challenge of being the best we can defensively. Um, so in doing so, we'll have a good chance of winning every night. I want to make sure me and LeBron are, the, are on all defensive team. And for me personally, I just want to be the best defensive player of the year. Um, if we're able to hold teams under 100 points, which is probably unrealistic, um, but it should be our goal, I think we'll have a shot at winning a title. So first question for you, um, do you think it's realistic for Anthony Davis to be a defensive player of the year? I, I say, I say, hell yeah. Um, what, are, what are your thoughts on that? You think he can be defensive player of the year? 
He can. He got to commit a lot. Mm-hmm. He got to commit a lot. He going to have a, a, a high workload on offense. So he, he got to commit a lot on defense, too. I mean, he can do it. I'm not going to put it on pass on him. You know, he's a great defensive player. And that's why but, I didn't want him at – that's why I'm happy Dwight is there because he's going to be that mm-hmm. rim protector, too. Um, and then AD, still going to play great defense, but you knowing that you have someone right there to protect you, well, yeah. you know, with the rotation with uh, Dwight Howard and Joel McGee, I think that's going to work numbers for him, too. My other thing for you is, like, he said he's going to – Well, pause, pause. Let me, let me change my answer. Okay. If AD does not play the five, I don't got it happening. If he plays the four, if he plays the four, I don't, excuse me, if he plays the four, I don't have it happening. If he plays the five, I'll give him a shot at it happening. Because he he's going to be at the rim more at the five than the four. Well, I think he's going to definitely start the game playing the four, but, you know, it's a small ball area. So when it gets into the fourth quarter, I think yeah, the White's going to be, depending facts. on the matchup, like, well, honestly, it really don't depend on the matchup because AD can guard anybody, mm. for real, for real. But I think going into the fourth quarter when it's crunch time last five, six, seven minutes or whatever, um, I think he's going to play the five and mm-hmm. probably Brown at the four with Kuzma, yeah. um, probably Avery Bradley, like Danny yeah, Green. Yeah, Kuz got to be like out that. there. Kuz got to be out there. He got to. He got to. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so another thing he said in the interview was, like, he's going to hold LeBron James accountable. Um, now, first and foremost, LeBron James – um, these past couple of years has exerted minimal defensive efforts during the last few seasons, um, for better or for worse, because the whole thing with him is his team isn't that good. He got to pace himself to get to the playoffs. And then once he gets to the playoffs, he goes on a zero dark 30 moment and he just goes stupid. And that's what he saves it for. Um, obviously, like you just said a little earlier, he's about to be 35 years old, end of the year. He got a lot of miles on him, went to multiple finals, um, a lot of wear and tear, like you said. Do you mm-hmm. see LeBron James listening to Anthony Davis, who obviously, numbers don't lie, statistically speaking, one of the best, but as far as credentials, like right. playoff success and whatnot, hasn't done anything. Do you see LeBron James with such a with such with such a high body of work? Do you see LeBron James listening to A D when he's getting on him about, you know, playing defense and whatnot? Like how do you see that that pan out? Because I was like, it could work since Dwight and AD are there to protect the rim. So even if somebody blows by LeBron James, you got two people right there. Um, but do you see LeBron James listening to AD? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then do you also see LeBron James playing defense over 82-game season? I mean, I got I got Braun listening a little bit, but at the end of the day, you know, Braun is Braun. At the end of the game, he's going to have the ball in his hands. Um, I like him coming out and saying, I want AD to be the focal part of the team. Yeah. Um, that's basically just showing leadership. You know, we know everybody knows Bron is about leadership. That's just showing leadership. He wants on AD to be a big part of the team. But in the, the day, come on now, yeah. it's Bron. He gonna have the ball in his hands. He gonna do what he want to do on defense. AD can pump him up. Yo, we got we gotta play D. We gotta play D. Mm-hmm. You know, he gonna he gonna uh, definitely gonna contribute a lot. Yeah. But when it's time for him to pace himself, and he knows, you know, in in, in the game, he gonna need to be paced. He gonna pace himself throughout the game. It's yeah. LeBron. You know, he always thinking about the game. He got a high IQ. And like you said, if AD is the focal point offensively, LeBron James can take a step back offensively and exert For more sure. energy on, de- sure. on the defensive end too. So I mean, sure. it's going to be interesting. Definitely. I didn't ask you who who's your starting five. Rondo on the team, right? They already signed Rondo, so I got Rondo the one. I got Danny Green at the two. Braun at the three. Kuzma at the four. I want AD at the five, but he came out and said he's not playing a five. So that's that's my ideal lineup for them. Ideal lineup. AD at the five, and I, I can't I just can't bring Kuzma off the bench because if Dwight at the five or a or a JaVale McGee at the five and then AD at the four, that means Kuzma got to come off the bench. He averaged eighteen last year, eighteen nineteen last year. Yeah, eighteen. I just can't see the Lakers organization want to bring somebody like that off the bench so young, 
two years, two, three years yeah, to his, to his career. Up, I don't like that. Especially when it gave up all that young talent. Exactly. Just and, and, just, and kept him. Yeah. No. So, Come on. yeah. This is the year that, that we see Kuz will be the number three option. So, yes, sir. I'm excited for that get as it. well, too. Gotta so, get it. we'll see what's good with that. Um, next thing I want to talk about a little bit, just, just a little bit, uh, is it's kind of a week old, but I haven't been on the show, and it's my show. Um, Kobe and Shaq. Um, so Kobe was at the PHP Agency Convention in Las Vegas by Patrick, and um, the interview was by Patrick Bet David. Um, he asked a couple of things, but more so importantly, asked what would have happened had O'Neal worked harder. Um, and some of the quotes from there, uh, let me see what I don't at right there. He said... He'd be the greatest um, of all time. He'd be the greatest of all time, Brian said, at the PHP Agency Convention in Las Vegas when asked what would have happened had O'Neal worked harder. He'd be the first to tell you that for sure. Um, this guy was a force like I, I'd never seen. It was crazy. A guy at that size, generally generally guys at that size are a little timid and don't want to be tall. They don't want to be big. This dude did not care. He was mean. He was nasty. He was competitive. He was vindictive. I wish he was in the gym. I could have fucking had basically 12 rings. So, um, obviously, you know, we already know the history of uh, – Shaquille O'Neal and Kobe Bryant, uh, they went to four straight finals, I believe, won three of them, lost to Detroit and whatnot. But um, it's kind of interesting because when you're looking at Shaq's stats, man, <laughs> 15-time All-Star, two-time scoring champ, Savage, four-time NBA champ, Savage. three-time finals MVP, um, three-time uh, regular season MVP, um, 14-time All-NBA, three-time All-Star MVP, and his career average is 24 points, 11 rebounds, three assists, and 58% from the I field. Know. And that's not when he was on L.A. When he was on L.A. for those X amount of years, he averaged 27, 12, three assists, and three blocks. A dog. So my thing for you is, like, how do you feel about Kobe's comments on him saying that? Do you do you think they would have had more rings had he taken, um, you know, his game seriously? Because even when I read the Mama Mentality, which I think you guys should read as well, too, Kobe was like a machine. Like, mm -hmm. he worked his body out. He was the first guy to be at the gym, first guy to leave. Only thing on his mind was basketball, and it was kind of sick. Um, and basically, they're saying with Shaq, like, he would eat some, like, unhealthy food uh, during, during like, before pregame workouts. Um, he basically would get into shape while it was a regular season. So anytime he came to training camp, he'd get mad. Um, Kobe used to just despise that. There was another expert that was saying, like, yo, Shaq would be like, yo, why you not, like, why you not going to pass me the ball? Like, dude, you out of shape. I'm trying to run through the fast break. And you're not even with me. I'm not going to mm -hmm. pass you the ball. <laughs> um, so certain things like that happened and transpired. Uh, but what are your thoughts on Kobe's comments? Um, and, and how do you feel about that? I mean, they they probably true. I mean, Kobe know better than me about Shaq work ethic in practice, outside of practice, as far as eating habits and you know what he did in the gym and outside the gym. Um, but I'ma say I I wouldn't bash Shaq on his work ethic. I mean, to get where he was at, he had to work a little bit, right? Yeah, I would hope. I mean, I mean, I know he was big. I mean, he could have been a kind of nigga like, yeah, I'm just gonna be in a bit. I'm gonna be in the league. I'm gonna be bigger than everybody. I'm gonna be dom more dominant than everybody. I'm gonna get my bread, mm -hmm. and I'ma still be. The best player in the league. Yeah. I mean, you can't be mad at that. I mean, he's still producing. He's still doing his thing, producing at a very high level. Mm -hmm. He probably just like, I'm going to get my money and be that nigga on the court, and then I'm just chill mm -hmm. outside the court. Mm -hmm. I can't be mad at that. I might be on the same wave, my damn self, so. Yeah. For sure, for sure, for sure. Like, I mean, like I said, I just described his body of work. Like, that sounds like work ethic to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we don't really know, like, if he would have committed more. You know, there's so many things that could take into effect. Injuries, you know what I'm saying? 
injuries play a huge thing. Health is a huge thing going into the playoffs as well, too. So to do what he did, honestly, like, aside from, like, the scoring title, I mean, the, the all-time scoring list, like, who – you could say he had a better career than Kobe. For yeah, real, for real. I got I got Shaq in my top five too. Yeah. We can we can we can talk about that later for for another show. For but another show, definitely. I don't got nothing bad to say about Shaq. I got him in my top five. Yeah. So obviously we live in the social media era. Um. So afterwards, all of Instagram, all of Twitter, caught all this. So you know Shaq got some notifications through his DMs and and whatnot. So he responded back and said, "You would have had twelve if you passed me the ball more, especially in the finals against the Pistons." <laughs> Hashtag. Facts. Um, then on Instagram, he said, you don't get statues by not working hard, which is true um, as well, too. And then Kobe responded a day later, and he said, um, there's no beef with at Shaq. I know most media want to see it, but it ain't going to happen. Ain't nothing but love there, and we too old, we too old to beef anyway. 3 Um Brian posted a message to his verified Twitter account. And then O'Neal, they said, basically said, it's all good, bro. When I saw the interview, I thought you were talking about Dwight, if that's how you spell his name, D-W-I-T-E-L-O-L. Um, so Shaq's always had that uh, outgoing personality, the jokes and whatnot, but I don't think it was too serious. Honestly, man, um, like you said, like his work speaks for itself. So, I mean, maybe he could have got another ring, you know, if he worked a little bit harder, but would we really be judging him in a different breath if he had exactly. five rings as opposed to four. Exactly. And, and Shaq and Kobe cool now. I think I think Kobe be training Shaq's son his whole time. Kobe, um, Kobe be training everybody the nowadays. One, the oldest ones, you know, they they cool. They good. They good. They good. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. Um moving on to the next topic. <sighs> Man. Uh, Team USA, my guy. Team USA. <laughs> so uh <laughs> the other they day sick out there. Rudy Gobert in France beat Team USA 89-79, which ended our run without a medal. So this is the first time since uh, 2006 the United States men's basketball team will not finish first in a major international competition. Hmm. Um, and then we also lost to Serbia 94-89, um, and we were down today 32-7 to at the end of the first quarter. They're ugly. I was like, yo, They're come ugly. on, my guy. Like, what's going on? But I will make them watch the whole tournament in the stands, too. Yeah, for sure. So Show them how ugly they were. Yeah, so <laughs> against France... Rudy Gobert destroyed Miles Turner and Plumlee played probably like one or two minutes. Yes, he should. Because it was crazy yes, he because Miles Turner was mad that Rudy Gobert won Defensive Player of the Year. So he was oh, that, like, that he, is right. he was talking some right. trash that during right. the, when he won that joint. So Rudy Gobert heard all that noise and ended up with 21 points, 16 rebounds, three blocks. It was um, slow for him. And Fournier, too, had 22. Um, some guy named Nando DiColo, who nobody even knows, had 18 points. Who was guarding Fournier? I ain't catch that. Who was guarding him? Kemba was trying to guard him and Donovan yeah, yeah. Mitchell. That's slow for him. And it just won't work him. Uh, and then they started trying to put Marcus Smart on him as well, too. Uh, he did a little – he did okay, but – I would hope. Just, Come on, Marcus. It just won't work. It just won't work at all, too. But it's crazy how, you know, we take so much for granted because we are Americans. We Like I said, we, we've been winning for years and years and years since the Dream Team and then went through with the Redeem Team with LeBron and all that, too. But it's crazy because France only had four NBA players. Frank Natilka, who Natilinka, whatever I pronounce his name, um, he's the one that plays for the Knicks. Uh, Vincent Poirier, uh, Nicholas Batum, and Rudy Gobert. So there's four NBA players um, there against our twelve, and that's crazy how we lost. We were basically down the whole game. Donovan Mitchell started off real hot, and then in the fourth quarter, just went cold as hell. 
Kemba was inconsistent. There was times where we could have won the game, or we could have put ourselves in a position to win the game, but Rudy Gobert was just dominating the paint. I think there was a point where he had... He was throwing everything. Yeah, he was just throwing everything, altering all those shots too. And there was a couple of reasons why I think that we lost. And I said this with Trey on my other show, my other past episode, our size. I felt like yeah. we had good wing play, yeah. but interior-wise... If we got Miles Turner, who is a solid player, but he's not no all-star caliber player. Gobert right made, now, made us look little. Gobert made us look real little. Look real little, and I was like, "Yo, Coach Pop, like, what are you like? What are you doing?" Because there'll be times when Miles Turner will be out of the game. Now I don't know if he was in foul trouble or not. I got to look back into, it, but there will just be times where our biggest player was probably like Chris Middleton on the court or something like that's that right. too. And like you said, Rudy Gobert is in peak form. He's gonna play a lot of those minutes, so. That's a lot of more possessions going their way as well, too. So my thing was us not having that size that we're used to, the lack of shooting. I think shooting-wise, I mean, Donovan Mitchell had a good game, but he's not really a shooter. Jason Tatum was injured. Kemba's not a solid shooter. I think the the most solid shooter we had was Chris Middleton, who was getting minutes, too, but Harrison Barnes was kind of taking over that as well, too. And then what's the white dude's name? Why was we starting Joe Harris? That's my question. Why I don't is know. he starting? I was thinking that, Why too. Why is he starting? Coach Pop, I was definitely thinking that, too. Um, that's, that's not good. Did you want him to – did you think he was like a Clay Thompson? That's not good. I don't understand that we were playing Derek White as well, too. I love the Spurs, obviously, but – We got all-stars on the bench, and Joe Harris is starting at his position. <laughs> Chris Milton could have been starting over Joe Harris. Come on now. Yeah, didn't make Come sense. Um, so – that was one of the reasons why, uh, obviously, people dropped out. So, you know, you had Bradley Beal dropping out, AD dropping out, Andre Drummond dropping out, James Harden dropping out, Kevin Love dropping out, CJ Coach K dropped, dropped out. Coach K dropped out. That's uh, big right there. All these he dropped people, out first. Yeah, all these people dropped out. Um, so I feel like when you have your top-tier talent, like if we had our top-tier talent, like we would have blew every team out. Like ain't no question. Of course. But even when they dropped out too, I was like, yo, we're the United States. We still have a few all-team NBA, all, all, all NBA type of players on the squad and upcoming players who should Very be able capable. to handle that. Um, so it was kind of disappointing to see them lose two games back-to-back. Like that's just so unlike us. Another thing too, I feel like if Jason Tatum ain't going to hurt, um, we would have definitely – won that game, too, because there's a lot of times where we had no one we can lean on to give us buckets in the crunch, and we could have definitely used the services, especially on the defensive end as well, too, uh, with his size. Um, like I said, NBA stars will participate in, um, you know, just us taking it for granted. I feel like with Team USA, the players already have in their head that we're better than you, we're going to beat you, but you can never take them for granted. Kobe Bryant mm-hmm. said that, too, um, in the past when he was on the Redeem team. He was, he was like, yo, like, Obviously, we're in the NBA. We play at the highest level, but there's other talented players across the country. They don't really get to get showcased because we're the ones who bring in the revenue. We're the ones that, that are more popular. But there are other international players who are just as good, but they just feel more comfortable being being at home. Just like you know, for instance, Kawhi want to go to LA or whatever. They they feel comfortable being home, or they don't get that much attention. So scouts aren't really there as much. But you can never take them for granted. And the fact that it's not like a playoff series of one and done. You got to be ready to go. Um, and I said that, lack of shooting as well, too. I feel like chemistry. I feel like, for example, like with soccer, um, with like the World Cup or whatever international play, they have a lot of chemistry and cohesion. So, for example, you see the Spain squad, um, you see the France squad. These guys have been playing together for years. I feel like we kind of just put everyone together and said, oh, are we going to figure it out? And that was another thing as well, too. Um, but what was your takeaway? Um you know, with Team USA as well, too. 
um, you know, them losing and, and, and whatnot. I mean, we got more talent than everybody, but I got chemistry. Mm-hmm. I got niggas being on bullshit. <laughs> they was probably on a PJ, the private jet, turnt. Once they got over to wherever, whatever, wherever city they was at, they was probably in the club, turned up in their little section on bullshit. Like, yeah, we're going to blow these niggas out tomorrow. Came out the next day, got smacked. Lost the first game, got smacked. Said, fuck it, we still going to turn up. And got smacked again. I mean, I don't really see it having no excuse for it. That's the only thing I can think of. Shit, it was just on bullshit. It was like, fuck it, we just go out here and hoop and, and, and lost. Yeah. So the talent is there. The talent, the talent is, is there. there. Make no sense. I'm, just, I'm like, yo. The coaching is there, too. Because so. Coach K, we won with Coach K. So I'm like, yo, Poppy supposed to be considered the best coach of all time. Either you or Phil Jackson in the NBA. What's good? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm just scratching my head. But, I mean, I don't know, man. Yeah, it's probably honestly the, the biggest the biggest reason why we didn't was because of the, the we didn't have our tier one players honestly Facts. like because now you're asking so much I feel like we're in the like I said we're in the we're in the era of social media so your brand is everything your money is everything and you're really not getting paid to to do this other extra stuff you're focused on the regular season as well too and when you're going through 82 games playing damn near all year of basketball, you want that break to yourself. Not Basketball isn't everything with these guys. These guys have family. These guys have business to take care of, um, like I said as well, too. So basically you're saying, you know, we want you to play 82 games. Then after that, you probably got a couple weeks off. We want you to be part of Team USA, and then we want you to be a part of World Cup. We want you to go to training camp. We want you to go back to the regular season. We want you to go to the playoffs. And we want you to go to the Olympics and back to the regular season. There's really no time off for that, so I understand. But I honestly think next year for the Olympics, we're going to have a few Tier 1 players there, too. And hopefully we get better bigs because Plumlee and Miles Turner, you're going to get abused, bro. Huh. It's, it's bad. <laughs> it's real bad. Um, but, you know what I'm saying? Another thing, too, is players are getting better. Internationally, people they're they're catching up. You know, it's nice quality. So shout out to you guys. Shout out to the Dream Team, making the whole world take notice, and you know, expanding basketball as a brand as well too. So uh, that's what's up. Um, another thing I want to talk about before I get into the last topic of the day is Joe Johnson. Um, <laughs> Joe Johnson just got signed to the Detroit Pistons. Did he? I didn't even know that. That's yeah, what's up. he got signed what's today. Um, and I'm happy for him because he's a nice role player. I saw Joe. We know what he brings to the table. But it still makes me think about Carmelo Mello. Anthony. I knew it was coming. I knew um, it was so coming. it's like, so you mean to tell me, we already know from a talent perspective who's better, obviously. Mm-hmm. But you mean to tell me all Melo had to do was join the big three, <laughs> win, win, win league MVP in the big three, <laughs> and then win the championship and he's on the squad? Like, like why is Melo not on the team? Like, like what, do you, what are your two cents on that whole situation, especially with Joe Johnson? There? I mean, like, obviously Detroit is in the East. They made the playoffs last year, but are they going to get that much better with him? Um, what are your thoughts on all that? I saw, I saw a little, a, a small clip. Um, Melo, he was on SportsCenter. I forget who was who was talking to. I think it was maybe Jalen Rose or something. He broke down a situation about how Oh, uh, Stephen A. Smith. That might have been Stephen yeah, A. Smith yeah, yeah, yeah. about how the owner, the GM or something, came into like his hotel room or something, mm-hmm. and um, basically told him he was cut. Yeah. Um, basically from that, I got that he thinks it was something internal, something going on, some kind of snake thing, a grimy thing going on. Um, I'm guessing that's what it's got to be too. Talent wise, I seen a clip of him hooping in the summer. Um, playing with LeBron and the Lakers, playing with this and that, coaching Donovan Mitchell, going over workouts with him. He looked good, man. I mean, footwork there, handles there, 
You know, speed like it's it's good enough. Everybody knows he don't play no defense no more. <laughs> but you know, a lot of people don't play no defense no more. Yeah, I was about know, to say too. I mean, it, it's a spot for him or somebody team where he can you know at least be a provide leadership to the young to the young bulls how he's doing in the summer right now training training with everybody else. I mean, yeah, Melo needs to be in the NBA. Period. Yeah, and then there's period. there's a lot of news. Uh, Last week, and basically they were saying, like, since KD's injured, um, the Nets, I think he was practicing with the Nets team or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, seen that. So would you, do you think that would be a good destination for him to be there? I mean, yeah, while KD hurt, why not? Shit. I mean, come in there, see what he can do if he, you know, he if he come out with a hitting the ground running. But, yeah, look, he, he can play, be a be a part of the team. Definitely get minutes. You know, if he don't, I don't expect him to come out there and be trash. I expect him to at least <laughs> provide some quality minutes, come out there, you know, and be – a focal part of the other team's defense, if it's a second team defense, uh, another team, you know, come out there and uh, be a threat on the court. Definitely, yeah. I mean, shit, KD gone. We gonna have a need at uh, this week. I'm, I'm a Kyrie fan, so he said we were Boston yes, last sir. time. Yes, sir. We, I'm a Kyrie fan. Being a, see my dog, I, see my dog up there. Stem from being a Duke fan. I forgot like I said this last time on the show. Stem yeah. from being a Duke fan. Been a Duke fan since '01 with Jason Williams. I was um, JJ Reddy for me. I'm a Duke fan too. JJ okay, Reddy, like boy. That. So we. While KD hurt, if Melo can come in, provide good minutes, you know, be a focal point for the other team defense on the floor, stretch the floor, you know, let Kyrie do his thing. And yeah, definitely be on the squad. Come on, we'll take you. All right. Come on. Melo, all hope is not lost. I think you're going to end up on an NBA team. You're just going to have to put that pride aside, my guy. Put that pride aside. Um, Last thing I want to talk about today is my boy KD um, had a very, very, very great piece, great interview. Um, The title is called Kevin Durant's New Headspace. It's an article of Wall Street Journal. Obviously, it's in New York. Wall Street's based in New York. Um, And it's by uh, J.R. Mo Ringer. I think I'm pronouncing your name right. Um, Sorry if I'm wrong. You can correct me. Um, So basically, it, it explores a lot of things. It explores his mental state. Um, explores his fallout with the Warriors, his Achilles injury, how he's, um, you know, recovering from that as well, too. So basically it takes place at his place in, I think it's in Malibu, um, his his, uh, mansion in Malibu, and basically, like, he's going through a normal day of, you know, rehabbing, and this guy comes in and just interviews him and uh, really, you know, kind of people people watches him a little bit too and, and takes from so basically asks him some questions about certain things and then and then just observes him a lot as well too. So like I said, um his follow up with the Warriors, um battling Achilles injury, uh changing to number seven, um, deciding to go to the Nets the Nets, the process behind going to the Nets, his business his business ventures, uh backlash from OKC and much, much more. So a couple things I just want to talk about um and then we can wrap some things up. Uh he said and I quote, some days I hate I hate the circus of the NBA, he says. Um, some days I hate that the players let the NBA business, the fame that comes with the business, alter their minds about the game. Um, sometimes I don't like being around the executives and politics that come with it. I hate it. So my biggest takeaway from that was, like, obviously, like, the whole point of making it to the league is to get that bread, collect that check. But I feel like from what he's saying here was, like, a lot of players kind of go away from that because – they do see that money. They do see the attention that comes with it, the fame or whatever and whatnot. It kind of takes away from their game. Um, do you see that as an outlet as well, too? Like, a lot of people just not wanting it as much as players like a LeBron, players like a KD, a Kawhi, a Kyrie, and stuff like that. Because, for example, prime example, Andrew Wiggins, number one pick. I feel like once he got that check, 
we haven't really seen him at his peak performance. Um, no shade, but you shade at the same time. Uh, what are your thoughts on that piece right there, that quote? Uh, he probably, man, he probably just want to hoop. I mean, he's been in limelight since, you know, day one. Mm-hmm. Coming out, rookie year, damn averaging 20 points a game plus. Being at Texas, averaging 20-some points a game. Freshman year at Texas. So he's been in limelight all his career. Man, he probably just tired of it. He probably just want to hoop. Mm-hmm. Just ball out, mm-hmm. focus, grind, get yeah. another ship. Going to the next venture. Yeah. It's his third team. He done hop twice in the last four years. He's one hop. Years. I guess he's one of hop teams in peace. So let him hop teams in peace. World, I guess. Yeah. That's what I'm getting from it. Yeah. Another quote. Uh, Durant says his decision making process was was as simple on the inside as it looked from the outside. He just said um, Brooklyn was the right fit. He just knew. Um, he didn't even speak to the Nets before his decision. He says he didn't need a PowerPoint. He's always felt big love as a visiting player as, at Barclays Center. Um, he says, and he wondered what it might be like if he were on a home team. Plus, um, the Nets offered the opportunity to join his best friend in the league, Kyrie Irving, which I didn't know as well, too. Then he goes on to say one of the reasons why he left um, the Warriors itself. He said um, he was conflicted about leaving the Bay Area. He said, I came in here. I came in there wanting to be a part of a group. Want to be a part of a family and definitely felt accepted, he says. But I'll never be one of those guys. I didn't get drafted there. Um, Steph Curry obviously drafted there. Andre Iguodala won first finals and first finals, first championship. Clay Thompson drafted there. Draymond drafted there, and the rest of those guys kind of rehabilitated their careers there. So me, shit, um, how are you gonna rehabilitate me? Uh, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna teach me? How can you alter anything in my my basketball life? I got an MVP already. I got scoring titles. Um, and then what did he say after that? Uh, he said, as time went on, I started to realize I'm just different from the rest of those guys. It's not a bad thing, just my circumstances and how I came up in the league. And on top of that, to me, I always looked at it like Katie and the Warriors. So it's like nobody could get a full acceptance of me there as well, too. Um, so my thing for you is like, I mean, maybe it's just, I think it's just the social media, uh, the media nowadays, too. Because if, if I was him, I would have stayed on Warriors and just kept racking up rings mm-hmm. as well, too. Obviously, it's a new journey, too. But when you keep hearing from outside, so especially with someone who lives and died by social media, when you hear, mm-hmm. oh, it's not the Warriors, it's Katie and the Warriors, or, oh, you went to a 73-win team, they ain't need you, yada, 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 yada. That kind of, you know, messes with your mental as well, too. But uh, what are your thoughts on him? Um, falling out with the Warriors as well, and do you think it was a good move for him to go to Brooklyn? I mean, I, I want to say that um, I definitely think it's the media getting to his head. Mm-hmm. Um, just to touch on what you've been saying this entire show, mm-hmm. with his day and age, social media. Um, I mean, you got you have a Finals MVP with a team. You definitely a part of the team, bro. Yeah. Um, so I definitely think. It's a media thing. Maybe that might be something going on like in the city of Golden State as far as the fans, as far as the um, organization. He might be feeling that there, too, and not just the media. But, you know, if you bring home a finals MVP to a team, bro, you're part of the team, bro. Yeah, and I feel like, too, like I understand what he says. Like, it's different. When but we'll take him. Yeah, it's different we'll when, take you, him in Brooklyn. when you've built that foundation there or have gotten drafted there as well, too. You kind of always do feel like an outsider as well. Soon, like you said, with the whole him going to leaving OKC, going to Warriors, it it definitely makes sense as well too. But honestly, like we knew Steph was the engine that was his team too. But honestly, when Katie got there, in my eyes, if you're the best player in your squad, I think that's your squad. 
You know what I'm saying? But I think he was just trying to find and or seek validation somewhere else. So it made sense why he left as well too. Um, I say I say ask Steph if he think Katie important part. If he think Katie a part of the team, he gonna say damn right. He got us. He got us a yeah, ring or two. Even with Clay, he got us a ring or two. Even with Clay said too when they were playing the Raptors, he's like, yo, we need this guy. Like, exactly. what are you talking about? Exactly. Um, another thing as well too. What's he 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 was basically talking about how it's gonna be more of a free flow ISO kind of driven system with nets. Um, but basically, That's he was talking about he's talking about Golden State, um, and I was excited to ask you about this too. Um, he said, but there was also this from a strictly competitive st- uh, strategic standpoint. Durant had come to fear that Golden State had hit a ceiling, and I quote: "The motion offense we run in Golden State it only works to a certain point." He says, "We can totally rely on." Um, only our system for maybe the first two rounds, and then the next two rounds we're going to have to mix in, mix in individual play. Um, we've got to throw teams off because they're smarter in that round of playoffs. So now I had to dive into my bag deep to create stuff on my own, off the dribble, isos, pick and rolls, more so than let the offense create my points for me. He wanted to go someplace where he'd be free to home that sort of improv, improv 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 game um, throughout the regular season as well, too. Um, so, obviously, they do have that motion offense. Um, everyone touches the ball before you, you, you take the best shot, the, well, the, smart, or the, the smartest shot, not, you know, what, whatever, whatever. But my thing is, like, that's kind of what they brought them there for, though, right? Because, obviously, like, it's going to get harder and there's more attention to detail. The teams are tougher when you as you advance in the playoffs. Like, that's a given. My whole thing was, like, Obviously, they are doing that motion offense, but when I looked at the Houston series, not from this past season, last series and whatnot, like he got his ISO, he got his touches, he he went in ISO, like that's what they brought him here for. Um, mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on him trying to describe the system in Golden State and how you know it reached its peak? I see what he's saying. Mm-hmm. I I feel like he's just saying the whole year they did that running gun kind of kind of play style where they run that system, Steph running around all t- the whole game, flying around, Draymond setting screens, Clay flying around. Mm-hmm. Then he's saying after round two or three, it don't work. Yeah. And then he just got to come out his out his bag and pull out bullshit and, and win the game for them. I guess that's what he's kind of trying to say. Um, not just him, of course, you know, Steph mm-hmm. too. But he's just saying, you know, the whole year they just used to, he used to playing a certain type of way. And then when it could get down to it, he got to switch it up on the fly. So I feel like he was saying so he's, he's saying, but he's also a bat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's also a basketball player too. He, so he should also ha- always have that in my ba- in his bag, which of course he does. But yeah. but I feel what he's saying. I see what he's saying. Yeah, it just didn't make sense because like him and Kyrie just ISO the whole time. It's gonna be a highlight show. It's gonna, gonna be a highlight room. Do you think like players are just or the team members are just gonna be watching from the side? Like basically how basically how obviously James Harden has a. a, a Way different game than other players, but it felt like a lot of times James Harden was like, "Yo, give me the ball, top of the key, everybody clear out. I'm gonna do my dance. If I draw these defenders, I'm gonna pass it and kick it out. If not, I'm gonna draw the foul." How do you see him and Kyrie coexisting if he's wanting to play that that style of basketball? I mean, they homies, right? They boys. Mm-hmm. I mean, the article just said that they they best, best friends. friends. They both each other's best friends in the league. Mm-hmm. I mean, they both very 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 high IQ basketball players. They both got rings, <laughs> you know. I mean, why not? They got other pieces on the team too. They I got. Like, I just feel like uh-huh. that system wouldn't be fun because, like, just why looking not? at why not looking at when LeBron uh, and and uh, Kyrie won that one mm-hmm. chip together. 
championship. Yeah, they didn't really have no system in play. It was literally my turn, your turn, my turn, your turn. I it feel worked. like that kind of gets tiring as well, too. It worked. I mean, it worked, but... They also played with J.R. Smith. So the two guard, the two guard over in the Nets is Carousel Vert. He's a he's a hooper. He's a hooper. He showed out. He showed out. Yeah, and Spencer Dinwiddie. And they got Joe Harris. He's a shooter. He led the league in three point percentage just last year. Um, should have been starting for the USA team, but a good roll off the bench for him. They got a rim protector in DeAndre Jordan. Um, they got my young bull off the bench. Allen. Um, Jared Allen. They got a squad. Um, people are gonna be open. Other people can rock without with and without the ball. Lavert can rock with and without the ball. Dinwiddie can rock with and without the ball. Kyrie can get rest during the game. Mm-hmm. They got a lot of pieces, a lot of players. Everybody can get touches. They, okay. got, they got a squad, bro. When KD get back, that's going to be a squad. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be a lot of fun. A lot of people can do a lot of different things. Everybody can pass, shoot, and dribble and find people. Yeah. So they're going to be good. Okay. We're going to be good. We're going to be straight. Cool. Another thing I like, we. <laughs> Another thing Damn I like right. is. <laughs> Damn right. Um, so I didn't know but because of the death of like a friend or family member or something like that. That's why he wore 35. I think mm-hmm. the person died at the age of mm-hmm. 35. His so coach. He wore his, his coach. So like AAU or something like yeah, that. Yeah, so he paid homage to him, which is pretty cool. Um, but he changed to seven because um, it represents completion in the Bible. God resting on the seventh day after creating heaven on earth. So it feels like Katie's finally right, coming KD. to terms. Yeah, it feels like Katie's right, finally right. coming to terms as who he like is it. as an individual, being comfortable in his own skin as well, too. And I really like... That he, I think it's a blessing in disguise that he did get injured too because it takes, he's obviously he's going to be around the team, but he's going to be re- rehabilitating. But it, it takes us, he takes a step back from basketball and really um, is, get to, is going to get to learn more about himself and really appreciate life as well too. And I feel like he's finally coming into his own. Everyone grows and matures at a different age, but I really like that. So I like, I like the number seven move. It's going to feel weird not seeing number 35, but. Um, he good, man. I think he's going to come back good as well, Ain't going to come back a dog. Yeah, and I feel like with his injury in general, like he's not like a Dominique Wilkins or like a DeMarcus Cousins who relies on their – like the way his offensive game is, he, he's not going to have to really rely on athleticism so he's so damn side tall Side note, well, side too. note. Dominique Wilkins had that same injury, mm-hmm. came back, and averaged 30. Yeah. Are we going to see? Are we going to see? I see a minimum of 25, 26 points from KD. That's enough. Yeah, that's and, more than enough for me. And another year with Dinwiddie, and you said Levert getting better yes, too. Sir. And Allen, yes, sir, yes, sir. And and all Joe bulls. Harris, all young bulls. That's gonna be a tough squad. All young bulls. Yes, that's sir. gonna be a real tough squad though. Future looking bright. His future's looking really bright too. So another thing that he touches on as well too is um, that toxic feeling um, of coming back to OKC. So he says such a venom- venomous, toxic feeling when I walked into that arena. And just the organization, the trainers and equipment managers, those dudes pissed off at me, ain't talking to me. I'm like, yo, this is where we're going with this because I left the team and went to play with another team. And he said his mother recalled one particularly appalling piece of video, a Thunder fan firing bullets into a number 35 jersey, bullets. Um, After that, she said, um, what else? There's another thing as well, too. The cupcake situation, um, when he was selling his house, he put up for sale. They were, like, spray tagging that joint as well, too. Huh. And after that, he said, I'll never be attached to that city again because of that. Um, I eventually wanted to come back to that city and be a part of that community organization. But I don't trust nobody there. Um, that shit must have been fake, what they was doing. The organization, the GM, I ain't talked to none of those people. Even had a nice exchange with those people since I left. It's crazy because, like... He was speaking kind of highly of it, you know, when he was transitioning over to Golden State. Mm-hmm. So now to actually see 
the baggage that he's just le- like like just blurting out now is kind of crazy. But it's wild too. Like you expect fans to be booing you and whatnot. Like mm-hmm. if I was growing up at OKC, I saw that dude get drafted. I I have season ticket. I'm gonna feel some type of way, definitely too. But if it's like your coworkers that you worked with. Like he said, the coaching staff, um, management, all that good stuff, the workers there, yada, yada, yada. If they, like, being shady towards you, that just really makes you think, like, yo, like, were y'all even fucking with me to begin with right. in the first place? I think it was just a movement thing. Um, it just became the culture of the organization, the mm-hmm. fuck KD thing after, after he left. You know, it was all over Sports Center. It was all over social media. It was everywhere. So, I mean, it just, be- it just became a part of the, the organization's culture. The fuck KD thing, you know, Westbrook and KD was going, you know, at it a little bit. (laughs) And I was about to say that too, bro. I felt like like everyone felt so bad for Russ. And you can tell Russ is like, nah, nigga, it's OKC versus the world. Niggas knew that shit was over. I feel like Russ is like, I don't want y'all talking to him. I don't want y'all looking at him. (laughs) Nah, doing nothing. Like, if (laughs) y'all do whatever, uh uh. I'm like, it ain't that deep, bro. At the end of the day, it's just basketball. And you got to make you happy. Yeah. (laughs) And now he's gone. At the end of the day, you just got to do what makes you happy, man. Like, basketball isn't everything. I feel like, you know, your state of mind is what's important. Your family, your friends, and all that good stuff. So it pay good, um, though. It's crazy. It pay real good. It pays, it pays amazing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It, it, that, that's, that's a great job to have. Uh, but it's crazy, too. I didn't know he was planning on coming back to OKC. It would have been kind of dope to see him, like, team up with Russ one last mm-hmm. time and try mm-hmm. to make a ring. But... We ain't never going to see that again, and we're going to see them. He with my um, man's Kyrie now. Yeah. Regular, get it done. We'll see. Um, I was asking Wave this. He was on, he was on um, two episodes mm-hmm. before us, I believe, and we were like, yo, like, what do you see? Like, if they if they get to the finals and win, who do you who do you feel like, when Katie comes back, obviously, who do you think is going to be finals MVP or the best player on that team? you think it's still Katie or Kyrie steps into that role? It depends. It depends on how on how KD comes back. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't we don't know. He he could come back a little bit worse. He could come back a little bit better. You know, that's more unlikely. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it it just depends on how he come back and how he move and how he you know how everything going honestly. Mm-hmm. And then in the finals, it also depends on matchups too. Yeah, it depends on who Kyrie going up against. It depends who who KD got to guard and who who's guarding KD too. So it it just it's it's situational. To answer your question, I think it's situational. A lot of situations got to line too. up. But I'm assuming for the Nets to get to where they want to be, knowing that the Eastern Conference is getting a little stronger with the emergence of the Bucks, um, Ben Simmons possibly getting a jump shot based on those videos we've seen. <laughs> Victor Oladipo. I believe it when and, I see it. And what the Pacers are doing as well, too. Toronto's still not sleeping. I think they're going to get better. Pascal's my guy. That dude's a dog. Um, I just feel like... Assuming the Nets get to the finals, I feel like KD's going to have to be the best player. So I feel like he's going to be the one um, to carry them to the mountaintop. And that will be dope if he go up against Kawhi, gets revenge, or even go up against LeBron. I'm excited to see that. We got to wait a whole almost two years for this shit. I'm going to be 27, bro. I ain't ready for that. It's like, nah. I'm kidding. Um, but KD what I- might fuck around and come back this year. No, I'm not spoiler, coming Spoiler, spoiler. Spoiler, spoiler. His Achilles again. Nah, don't come <laughs> back. Don't rush Dominique back. did it. Dominique Wilkins did it. Yeah. We're going to see. It's state-of-art technology up there in New York City. It is. Brooklyn. We're going to see. He, what the article say? He locked in the room, right? Yeah. Locked in the room. Might yeah. come back. We're going to see. That, that, that would be crazy, though. That would be it crazy. Would. I'm, just, I'm hoping, though. We're going to see. I'm just hoping. Yeah. 
Definitely, too. Um, so he owns a company in New York called 35 Ventures, which is, like I said, headquartered in New York City, staff of about, I think it's said 15. Um, let me see right here. It's basically Durant's lucrative endorsement deals, overseas and equity partnership with, with luxury audio company Master and Dynamic, and creates an eclectic investment portfolio technology, hosp hospitality, media tailored to um, their shared interests. They also generate a lot of content. So some things they've done as well, too, was they produced a documentary about the scene. Quentin Warriors, which was a hoops team inside the maximum security prison, uh, launched a six-episode series on ESPN. Um, he also has something called The Ballroom, where he talks about the business aspect of sports as well, too. Uh, so managing your money, investing, and doing all that good stuff as well, too, because a lot of people, um, you know, don't surround themselves with that uh, good group of people who knows how to take care of finances or who knows how to make things just last longer as well, too. So um, I think you guys should definitely check that out as well, too. Um, and another thing as well, I didn't know that uh, through the Kevin Durant Charity Foundation, they also help groups um, that take innovative approaches to fighting homelessness um, and easing hunger. And they do dazzling refurbishments um, of basketball courts in low-income neighborhoods around the world as well, too. So Kevin is doing a lot of things. Um, I appreciate it as well, too. Um, and I like a thing about him, too, a lot of people get on him um, about like social media and whatnot, but uh, I feel like that's kind of his way to cope with things or just get through things. And another thing I was reading too, he was saying how like he would just interact with just normal people every day. He like he would go through his Instagram and then he would go through his DMs and then if there's something that's enticing, he would reply back. So one example he said, uh, he said he basically talked to about anyone. Um, he said the other day, middle school student reached out said. She's like, I started to play at the free throw line, but I'm not very comfortable there, so I don't really know what to do when I get inside the zone. It was such a nice-ass question. She blew my mind. So things like that, you know, uh, reaching out to kids, letting them know that, you know, they're not alone or, you know, we're not too stuck up to reach out to you or whatever is pretty dope as well, too. Um, any, any last words on what you want to say in regards to KD? I hope a speedy recovery, a very, very, very speedy recovery, safe recovery though. Yeah. Um, when you come back, big dog, let's hoop. That's all I gotta say. Let's you hoop. Come back, let's hoop. We'll see what happens. It's Kawhi leagues now, boy. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Yep, 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 yep. But um, yeah, man, that's episode sixty. Any any last words you want to say before I wrap things up? I'm here. I'm excited. Finally got a little audio, it's audio and video. Um. I'll be back sometime soon. We're going to yeah. see. And um, I'm excited to be with you again, my man. We're going to be out. going to be out. Yes, I appreciate sir. your time as well, too. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, like I said, this is episode 60 of the Caesar Show. Make sure, make sure to follow me on all forms of social media, at Sir Caesars or at the Caesar Show or both. Um, I'm always updating you guys with content. Um, so it's definitely going to be a dope episode. Spread the love, wealth. All that good stuff. Do what you got to do. Subscribe, like, comment, rate, share. Do what you got to do. Available also on YouTube at Sir Caesars TV if you want to check that branch of content out. And also I have my own website, thecesarsshow.com, selling merch. Anything else you want to know about me is up there as well, too. So love you guys. Like I said, I'm back. Episode, new episode going to come soon. But for now, enjoy this one. We out. All right.